proudest day and the proudest time and the seat of a relic here because that day and that hour and those minutes I got the butt between my teeth you know I really stood up and was counted and said this is not getting away I remember when we pulled on our helmets and Donald says to me what are we doing I said we're going for gold Barrett that's all we said I can still picture that run that was just the best best run ever Welcome along to Crunching Gears. This is a special episode um, to mark the untimely passing of Ken Block. We were shocked and saddened, um, like most motorsport fans and rally fans, to hear of Ken's untimely passing. And we thought it only fitting that we reach out and speak to the people who knew and worked with him. Yeah, we, we catch up with Jared Conn and Colin McMaster, who you know spent a lot of time with uh, Ken when he was doing these WRC exploits and beyond. You know, they, they built up a strong bond and strong friendship there. And then after that, we'll catch up with Chris Megan, uh, Neil McDade, Alex uh, Gillesimo and Martin Brady. So without further ado, I think we'll cut across and we'll hear from Jared and Colin. Ken, a thrill seeker, a showman, an entrepreneur, a marketing genius, and a petrol head. Um, I suppose, Colin, maybe starting with you, how would you describe Ken? I think uh, you quickly just keep adding more and more superlatives and adjectives and, uh, you know, where to start. He, All of these words uh, ring true. Maverick, entrepreneur, uh, family man, uh, just a successful guerrilla marketeer. And... Uh, an innovator and an inspiration, I'd say, would be some of the key ones that stand out. You know, I, I think quite early on, I'd like to say, honestly, I, I saw something in this guy that was not about results on rally stages. It was a much bigger picture. And uh, our friendship developed. And in fact, it, it developed quite slowly at the first at the start. But at the end, you know, we did a lot of projects together uh, worked very closely one-on-one -on -one in these situations and uh, really got to know each other quite well. And uh, yeah, he was, he introduced me to his family when he took them to on events. So we spent some time together, dinners and with his team, with his family. So he was just a genuine all-round brilliant bloke. And Jared, from your experience and, and, and friendship with, with Ken, how would you describe him? Yeah, I think from, from, um, you know, going on from what Colin has said, you know, Ken was a pretty unique guy. And when I first met him back in 2010, I I guess I had some reservations because I didn't quite know how to um, uh, manage um, the relationship from a business perspective at the start, having seen what uh, what Ken was was capable of doing. But very quickly, we we struck up a, a friendship and a and, you know, there was just three years, I was three years a senior. So I, in that respect, it was it was pretty easy to to relate to him. But uh, very quickly, I grew to see and recognize how talented he was. Um, a word that you wouldn't associate with Ken, but for me, certainly, I, I became very much aware of it. You know, he was a shy person. Um, everybody said, you know, that, you know, Ken was a showman. But I think he was one of his most endearing characters to me was that he was he liked to be aloof. He liked, uh, you know, his own time. He liked his family time. 
And I respected that in him. But I think above all, you know, Ken was a very selfless person. And a lot of what he did was done in the background. Um, and that was something that I admired him greatly for. I think just jumping in here, Gerard, the, Ken's big uh, rally idol was Colin McRae. And there were a lot of similarities between the pair of them. And I would also extend that shyness to Colin. And of course, you would have known and worked with Colin yourself. But he was intrinsically on the exterior, the big showman. But, you know, in in the shell underneath, he was a shy guy at heart. And uh, both of these guys, Ken and Colin, warmed to people they saw doing something well it didn't matter what it was but if they saw somebody dedicated interested and good at what they did they wanted to spend time with them and learn about what drove them what was their passion for doing that yeah and i saw it in both of them I, I think you know one thing that was um important to ken was having people around him that he could trust and equally then that that's tended to manifest itself in the group of people that you were fortunate enough to be with because we trusted one another because that was what um, Ken probably uh, expected more than anything else because of the of the position he had in in the eyes of the public um, and you genuinely knew that the people the small group of people you were with whether it be at a, a family dinner or uh, after filming an event or preparing for an event, um, the the sense of camaraderie, um, you know, you you were working with people that you you trusted implicitly, and I think that was something that Ken had an expectation of from from his team. But I think he he sort of bred it into each and every one of us as well. And when we were doing doing the projects we just got on and did it and we we each knew what to do and what was expected which was great and when you got ford and, and ken got together basically on the collaboration 2010 so ken would have been in his early 40s you know a mature pretty pretty mature you know talent compared to what you'd probably normally have been used to working with jared on the motorsport side and again an experienced and accomplished businessman who was able to you know put together some very complicated deals with regard to his sponsors and all of that so was that tough to work with ken or maybe was that did it make it easier because he got it or yeah i i think <laughs> initially um it's it, it was a difficult one because uh, Ken came to to us in Europe. Certainly, uh, it came on my desk from from the US uh, because when he came to Ford, people didn't quite know what to do or what to make of of what uh, his proposals were. And you know, for for me working at Ford, a lot of my life at Ford was working in the business. Um, motorsport was my hobby, but I always kept it away from the business. And even when I was managing the motorsport programs. I managed it as a business because you can't let uh, your emotions um, dictate to what you're going to do in the business. And Ken very quickly, um, you know, he he was uh, a person who was like minded and had an appreciation for what he could offer to Ford and what he could do in in a partnership. Um, and I think with we very quickly put together then a, a group of people, a marketing guy in, in the US, uh, Scott Denby and a guy from my team in Europe, Will May. And they they worked very closely with Ken and his team. And we 
quickly got to grips got to grips with mm-hmm. with his proposals and uh, what he was putting forward to do for for Ford, particularly in in 2010, as we started uh, the journey on on the relationship. And you know, Ken was very strategic in terms of what he wanted to do, um, but also what he believed it would do for Ford. And our our objectives, our joint objectives, were to to create excitement around the brand, and and not necessarily to talk to motorsport fans because we worked with similar uh, pieces of data that essentially told us that motorsport fans are a very small percentage of a very big population that's out there. And to get your brand message across, you wanted to get it to as many people as possible. So from our side, that's what we wanted to do. And he very quickly demonstrated how he could reach a huge audience in a very short space of time with a, with a positive, exciting message and therefore he brought that to your brand and that's really where we where we started with ken and just out of curiosity was there any reservation in ford i, I suppose you know he'd already had the two jim canna videos out with the subarus and was there any hesitation around the you know don't try this at home you know health and safety aspect or did ford embrace this as you know this was going to be guerrilla marketing for the brand it, it, it was it was certainly challenging from that perspective because we spent a lot of time internally within Ford uh, from my perspective writing all sorts of papers for our legal department and getting you know uh, from his creative content you know in discouraging people from as you say from trying it at home and you know ensuring that it aligned with the brand uh, I remember going to one meeting where um, one of our senior executives in Europe uh, described Ken as a grumpy rally driver who just um, uh, created uh, black donuts on roads and couldn't quite get to to grasp what he what he was doing. But when when we actually opened up the box of of opportunity and and demonstrated what could be done throughout the year with various events, I think you know it it was evident that Ken had value to offer to Ford, and equally Ford had value to offer to Ken in the relationship, which was really important for him. So um, in, in that respect, I think it, it was there was a lot of work and effort went in behind the scenes to create that um, solid relationship and, and gain the respect for for um, for Ken from a Ford perspective and, and, and vice versa. And Colin, you're a creative person, you know, you're looking constantly how to capture and promote and market uh rallying from the photography side of things and and you know its presence in the media what was your view on you know what ken had done with the jincana videos and obviously coming into you know mainstream rallying or mainstream motorsport like how did you view him at that stage or that, those early days right uh mexico 2007 was the the first time i met ken and he turned up uh, with Travis Pastrana and a pair of uh, Group N Subarus. I'd heard of Travis Pastrana, never heard of Ken Block, and uh, but soon got the idea. Yeah, this guy is genuine. He really does uh, enjoy what he's doing. And uh, what was amazing for me was I was contacted by the Subaru team in the states. It was Vermont Sports Cards. And uh, whenever they were driving the Subarus, it was supply the photos. And to me, it was a small client. I had bigger fish to fry in that sport. And uh, here were two guys from America in Group N cars I'd never heard of, really. And uh, they, was, they were far more interested in the images than uh, 
people like Citroen, who I was working for, or Subaru, the World Rally team at that time. So these guys got it, understood it, wanted more of it, wanted better. And uh, that's kind of where it kind of pricked my ears up that actually they care, they know what they're talking about, and they want it to look good. And there was a guy, you haven't mentioned him, Brian Scotto. He came from a magazine background, uh, 0-60 magazine. And he was one of the first Ken recruited to work with him on his image in the car world. And uh, that's much of the creativity actually should be accredited to Brian. He ended up directing all the, the later Jim Carner videos. But Brian came to the rallies and he was on my back right from the start. You know, I want this, I want that, I want it bigger, I want it better. And the kind of relationship developed through Brian on the creativity side. But Ken always, always wanted to know what I was doing. He wanted to see the pictures as quickly as possible. If that meant looking on the back of the camera, he'd put his input into it in a really in a positive way. Never, I don't think he ever said he didn't like a picture, but you could tell if he wanted something a bit better. So he, he inspired you to take better pictures. And... Um- Jared, that sort of same inspirational push, um, what do you call it? And and obviously when when Ken got involved with Ford, it wasn't just the rallying he was looking at. He was looking at the rally cross, and then obviously the, the you know that branding piece in, in the Jacana because um, what do you call it? Uh, two thousand eleven was the Jimcana three with the Fiesta, which had something like seven million views in the first week on YouTube. You know how how. You know, did you have to rein him in, or how did you keep tabs on all of the thing activities he wanted to do? Yeah, I think I think he he was very astute in that respect that he didn't want to overwhelm Ford initially, uh, because we we had to um, ride a very sort of thin line in terms of getting as many people within Ford on site initially because they'd never seen anything like this before or never experienced it. And all we had to demonstrate really was something that was done that Ken had done with uh, with Subaru. And there is a, a hesitance when you see another uh, manufacturer doing something that uh, you don't want to be seen to be copying or plagiarizing what they have done. So he, um, you know, the first, uh, you mentioned Jim Counter 3, when that went live and people saw how quickly that the uh, the views and the clicks were coming in, it was beyond their wildest dreams because seven million at that time was a huge, uh, a huge uh, viewership. And quite quickly, when it was a case of, well, what's coming next? What have you guys got planned next? And we said, well, we have a plan for the year that we put in front of you two months ago, and uh, this is just one piece of it. So it it gathered momentum pretty quickly. Um, and you know, from a business perspective, that's where we got the enjoyment when we sat down afterwards with Ken and looked to see how how much cut through we had um and the 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 sort of um analysis that was done and the attention to detail that was then driven out of that again was as as colin had uh, mentioned uh, brian scotto and there was two other guys ron zaris and matt ticillo um they came later to the team and each of them had a piece to 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 offer and a job of work to do, and we we formed that collaboration then very strongly with the the guys from Ford that I mentioned previously, and and it it took off pretty quickly. Um, I think once once the uh, the rules of engagement were set out, 
um, we were able to put together, um, first of all, a more strategic approach to what we were doing on an annual basis. But more importantly, then to my job was to go and get the the funding and the budget to go to go and make it happen. And can I just jump in there, like Colin? You were saying that, but you know this, you know these two guys rocking up in the Group N Subarus. Even at that point, was there like a different clientele following them to events? You know, was it the kind of the motorbike crew and the snowboard snowboarders and all that? You know, these people coming to rallies that had no concept of really what a rally was. Exactly. It's exactly that, Kevin, that uh, Ken had, uh, through his DC shoe brand, the first things he did with a rally car was uh, a lot of stuff in New Zealand. He took the rally car onto, a, you know, call it a ski piece, but it's basically a snowboard, snow park uh, mountain uh, where they could do it in New Zealand. They couldn't do it in the States because of the rules, regulations, health and safety, and put together a film which was basically snowboarders jumping over the rally car going doing donuts on a downhill slope and things like that so he, he came with these people they were the, the content producers and that he knew and had worked with so he brought them into rallying as well but you know, travis came from the bike world and ken did some motocross as well but yeah travis was a, a motocross star before becoming an all-action hero so yeah they brought these guys in and they had to learn rallying as well uh i believe ken spent a lot more time in new zealand rally championship learning that on uh how, how to drive uh, but i tell you what I've, I've found the motocross guys generally in life uh, adapt very well to rallying because they know how to deal with grip uh good lines yeah, they, yeah and the balance and all that it's all balance, part jump, of it. yeah uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You probably add snowboarding as another useful skill, <laughs> limited grip. So, yeah, he was quite well equipped. Yeah. <laughs> Connor, sorry, just for jumping in there, go ahead. No, absolutely. Listen, tear away. And, and Colin, you know, as Ken undertook more rounds of the WRC, how did your relationship develop or grow? Or, you know, how often did you cross paths? Or, or when did you begin working more closely with, with Ken? Uh, actually, quite an ironic question, because I think after two or three years, we stopped working together. Uh, he got quite big, had his own team around him, content producers. I think he wanted somebody more, uh, you, what's the word, exclusive working for him. And I was committed to other clients uh, in WRC, my agency, McCline. Uh, so we stopped working together. And it wasn't really until the World Rallycross program that, reunited working together and uh which you know gerard could take up the story for four but it, i think it was 2000 he came over 2015 did a couple of rounds and then 16 17 yeah and, and he, he, he started up. he started in the um well he he had the focus he had spent some time in the focus uh wrc car before moving to to yeah. fiesta and it, it's it's quite funny because um you know there are lots of stories that um of of Ken when he came into came into rallying because that's how you know that that was the sport he was most familiar with and the the first thing I had to come to terms with was this um you know a sports athlete trying to sell that one and people were saying a sports athlete it doesn't make sense you know this guy drives a car but Ken truly was a, an athlete in the sense that you know he believed in in his physical fitness you know right the way through I saw him training it for WRC for WRX 
uh, whether it be in his motor home, his training regimes throughout the year. And he had professional trainers come in and um, and and help him with that. And, you know, trying to convince people that this guy is influencing followers in so many different aspects, either it be in fitness, whether it be on snowboarding, whether it be in extreme sports and rallying, um, and trying to get people away from the fact that it's just not about the car, it's about your brand. So we we had some some interesting times in WRC and Ken uh, on occasion was known to go off and do his own thing. Um, so we had a long term relationship with Castrol and Ken rocked up one season with his car emblazoned with mobile um, sponsorship. And, and that was a tricky situation when Castrol come and they start checking out to make sure that he doesn't have their product in 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 mobile uh, canisters and so on. So um we we yeah we had some interesting time and some interesting curveballs that Ken would put your way before an event. Yeah, I think uh, that whole Hoonigan brand was uh, brilliant just to create another string to the bow, and then that became mainstream major in another yeah. separate company eventually. But it, you know, uh, that was inspired to come up with that. Yeah, like that that become a household name, like Hoonigan. Like it's an ten years ago or whatever you said mentioned to anybody Hoonigan they wanted a clue what you talk about and now all of a sudden everybody knows it's aware of it. it's the brand as such. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and Jared, you know, with with the involvement of Ford Performance and M Sport, what sort of input did Ken have, and you know, how how in, engrossed did he get with the you know working with those those two areas? Yeah, Ken was very independent with his, particularly on the rallying side, with his um, WRC program. And Derek Dauncey, who had come from um, a rallying background and had worked with Mitsubishi and various other teams. Um, Derek, again, was somebody that uh, Ken trusted implicitly. Um, and he worked quietly in the background to manage and run uh, the rally program. He was his team principal, if you like. Um, and and Derek and Ken would um, have um, a lot of input with with M Sport in, in particular, not not so much with uh, for performance, uh, because Ken liked the more hands on approach, and he believed in in working directly with people like M Sport, so that he could uh, essentially get what he needed to be able to to perform at, at the top level, whether it be in WRX, WRC. X Games uh, in the Jim Carter films, so his relationship with M Sport was unique in the sense that they gave him exactly what he was looking for. Like, Jared, uh, sorry, 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 Jared. I'm just thinking, you know, like at the time he built the focus for the WRX, like the you don't almost think the most logical thing would have been to stick stick with the Fiesta because you know that was a proven platform or whatever. But to go out yeah. on a limb and do that, that was <laughs> that was fantastic, really, to, to have the, the balls to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm 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 not sure if that was all of Ken's decision. I think okay. it may have been something that was imposed upon him because ah. Ken never actually felt 
100% comfortable in the um, in the Focus RS. Okay. The um, I mean, you're, so, you're so diplomatic, Gerard. He absolutely hated <laughs> that car. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, Malcolm Wilson said to me, "It's the best car we've ever built," and I think uh, Ken told me it was the worst car he ever drove. Yeah. Well, I, I think that answer is the Ford Performance <laughs> question that you asked initially. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I, I, thought, I thought you retired, but clearly yeah. not 100. <laughs> percent But. Um, yeah, so so the the Fiesta was always uh, when when we went from Focus uh, in WRC to Fiesta, Ken loved the car, and he he um, he was able to do with that car a number of different uh, disciplines. So he could do he could do rally, he could do WRX, and he could do Gymkhana. So it suited him, and he felt you know he was getting appropriate seat time, and he knew the car, and he could do everything he needed to do. WRX was a slightly different scenario where where a car was imposed upon him to drive. He didn't have um, as much input into the design and development of the car that he would have wanted. Um, plus the fact he was sharing the car with Andreas Bakru. So he had a great relationship with Andreas and he took Andreas under his wing. But the car essentially was a difficult car to develop for two different individuals and two different individual styles of driving. So... The focus was a bit of a a bit of an awkward one for many of us, uh, myself included, and we just had to get on and soak it up and and try and do the best we could with it. But yeah. uh, it it may have been the best car that was ever built, but certainly it didn't give us <laughs> what we wanted in terms of the the fanfare and spectacle that we'd previously got from Fiesta. I think there was a lot more to that uh, rallycross program that Ken took his entire family from the states over to europe for the first year i think Gerard. maybe this yeah they well they, they came they, with a, a nanny and a school tutor yeah they came to ibiza and they they would set up home in ibiza and then ken would do his european rounds and that that was very much came into play when we were planning ken's year uh, when we sat down in in park city uh sometimes we we would um some of us would get out there and, and sit down and work it through with Ken. But it was essentially based around what made sense for Ken mm. uh, from a logistical perspective, but also from a family perspective, because it was essential for him to have his family close by. Yeah, I, I think it was his big commitment to a world championship. Keen to win it, bring the family, show them Europe. Uh, and, you know, what, what a dad would do that. I'd love it if I'd have done something like that with my dad. If he was a world superstar motorsports hero, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, cool. that 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 is memories that you know them yeah. children's going to have forever, isn't it? Really, you know? well, I think spending a year with Andreas Bakker hmm. might scar them for life. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> actually, they are incredibly. Close. But I, I, I think interestingly, uh, Ken's kids were were able to to relate to Andreas much easier than I think they could <laughs> to Ken at times. <laughs> 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 and Jared, how did it sit with Ford? You know, obviously in the Fiesta and the Focus at the time, they were relevant cars. But then when Ken wanted to do other stuff in the Mustang or in the the, the Cosworth Escort, which weren't obviously current models, how how you know how did that sit from a branding perspective? I, I think you know that that was one of the trickiest um, things that we had to myself in particular if internally trying to sell that when you've already told people that you, you're putting him in a relevant car like Fiesta 
And then you come along and say, you're going to put them in a 1965 Mustang and they kind of think, hang on a minute, but you sold us the, you know, you got last year's budget on the basis. You told us it was relevant Fiesta. But I, I think people at that stage had got to know that the it was the brand that we were creating fanfare and spectacle around. So it didn't necessarily um, hurt the brand by using something from the past. Now, the technology and the forward thinking company and all of that was, you know, it, it, you just have to go with your instinct sometimes and trust people. And uh, certainly from a European perspective, I was fortunate enough to have uh, a number of bosses that believed in what we were doing once they felt happy that the, we had a strategy in place, we had a budget to meet that strategy, and we would deliver the goods. And essentially, they knew over time because they got the opportunity to meet Ken as well. You know, we, we hosted events where where I would bring Ken along. So Champions League final, um, the Olympic Games in London in 2012. So it, it was all about giving them the opportunity to get to meet Ken as well. And I think very quickly they saw that, you know, this guy isn't just having fun here. This guy has a business head on. And they, they quickly began to realize that what he is providing to Ford is exactly what he said he was going to do. So I think for the, the final few years of the relationship, we were just let to get on and deliver what we said we were going to deliver with Ken. And we mentioned the, the, the Cosworth Escort, and that was part of the, the you know, uh, the reimagined Escort World Tour that, that Ken embarked on. And, and part of that was Donegal International in 2019. And I suppose curious as to, you know, how, how did we end up that we were lucky enough to get Ken on on onto Irish tarmac? Well, that that was um, that's an interesting one. The Cosy World Tour was probably one of the hardest ones to sell. Um, the Mustang and the um, the Humi truck uh, were were relatively easy because they were uh, U.S. vehicles, and it was kind of like we were doing something globally with with uh, U.S. Uh, manufactured vehicles. The, the Cosy World Tour was a very difficult one in the sense that it had um, uh, nine, I think we did nine countries. There was Poland, Switzerland, the US, um, Goodwood, I think, was in there, Ireland. And of course, people are saying, Ireland, why are you going to Ireland? You know, but we said, well, don't forget, like when we go to Ireland, we have these two transits that we've done and transit will get. Oh, yeah. OK, fine. That's good. You know, we sell a lot of transits in Ireland. So <laughs> it was kind of a very uh, e even though. I still had to be careful because it was my home country and people are saying you're using the company's money to fulfill your aspirations and your hobbies. And uh, but Ken had always genuinely wanted to get to Ireland and we tried maybe West Cork. We thought about Killarney. Uh, then he had obviously he had a good connection with Chris Meek and Enda Garvey. Um, so the opportunity came up in the Cosy World Tour to do something in uh, Donegal. So I spoke to M Sport at the time and the R5, uh, the uh, Generation 2 R5 was coming on stream. And we said, well, you know, we could potentially take Ken to Donegal, get him to test the um, the R5. And, you know, if if uh, the Cosworth happens to be somewhere close by, we'll we'll drop that off and maybe enter the Donegal Rally. So I, I had spoken to Damien Crawford uh, sometime prior to that to see if there would be interest in, in Donegal to do it. Um, and I guess from there, we, we set up the test for the R5. 
and we got Ken over to do um, to do the rally. And I, I guess I'm, I'm saddened in the sense that it was unfinished business because that was the weekend, uh, sadly, that Manus Kelly um, uh, died on that event. And that was deeply upsetting for Ken. Uh, not not because he he didn't get to finish the rally, but I think it had a profound effect on him because he witnessed something in Ireland that he hadn't seen in many other places, which was how close the rallying community was and how he felt part of the 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 whole rally circus in Ireland because it was so accessible and people were genuinely courteous and nice to him, very welcoming, and you know it it, it had a great. Um, positive impact on him, but then when I when we saw what happened on the um, on, on the Sunday when when things um, you know ended in tragedy, it, it was one of those things that he said to me. He said, "You know what? I want to come back here." Um, so it it was it was a great time, and I'm just so glad that his his ambition to come and and rally in Ireland was uh, you know, and he he didn't um, he didn't shy away from it. If you see some of the footage of the in car mm -hmm. stuff. Ken took to it pretty quickly, sure. uh, and certainly for the type of car he brought, I'd love to have seen him in a in a world rally car, um, but sadly that's that's not going to be now. Yeah. And Colin, you were part of that Donegal circus that weekend. You seen the collective hug Donegal give Ken and Alex that weekend. It was something else, wasn't it? I uh, the it was actually just to go back a little bit that Cosy World Tour was the year well it turned out to be two years because of covid but it, that was the making of our friendship really it's uh, we knew each other for all these years and then suddenly we were working quite closely together on these rally events and uh i did i did switzerland before Donegal. i can't remember maybe the other way around and yeah i think there was switzerland was was part of the program yeah um, and poland I thought you were going to say you couldn't remember Donegal. I was trying to think what pub you were in. <laughs> no, I'd never been to the Donegal International Rally before. So I had to I had to call up some local experts. And there was a guy called Kevin. <laughs> you point ask them. I asked a guy called Gerard and he absolutely used oh, he really knew West came up with all these amazing uh, places where I needed to go. And lo and behold, I kept seeing him on the rally because they were genuinely good. He wasn't one of these photographers that would lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere rubbish. Uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed it, obviously, up until the, the ending. Uh, ironically, I was with another photographer and uh, he said, do you mind if we uh, if we take someone along with us who's a rally fan? And uh, he just saw this guy uh, uh, absolutely was amazed that we had the access we did to Ken. And uh, you just saw genuinely from people like Kevin, from people like was in the car with me, yeah, there was a genuine love for the guy in Ireland. And you all know, there's a genuine love for rallying in that country. So good to hear that Ken would have gone back there. That's uh, I, I didn't know that, so I'm really pleased. Uh, but it was quite a tour because I, I remember Switzerland, Donegal, then we had a little break and it restarted with Barbados. That's quite a nice place to go. Uh, and then... Uh, it was Italy, I think there was an event in Italy. San Marino, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Rally legend. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, it was really, really good times. And uh, the, it was the Barbados trip, really, where uh, we had, uh, he rented a couple of villas 
because you had to do some quarantines at these multi-bedroom villas and uh, he took his family they had one villa and then the crew were next door the you know the production crew which i was involved in and uh, we'd go out for dinner he'd come around for breakfast as well because he brought the uh, pavo you know the polish yeah. chef he brought his own chef to the island because for the rally and uh, breakfast was around our house and then they'd off, off they'd go recce and rally and we'd catch up with them later on in the day and go out for an evening meal so they were good times, really good times. Pa- Pavel was originally the the um, the chef we had on the on the WRC and the and the four team, and um, he got co opted onto um, on he wanted to become part of the Hoonigan team because it was so much more exciting and <laughs> cool, and uh, he got to see nicer destinations, and uh, yeah, it was good. But um, think, yeah, he had he had a bigger budget on the food, and yeah, I think maybe that too, yeah. <laughs> But um, he no, liked the steak, it, didn't he? Ken, he liked the steak, but the middle of the fillet, not the yeah. uh, not the rump. Well, <laughs> he he was partial to Nando's as well, as we know, because that was always um, we had to seek out the the nearest Nando's uh, when we went anywhere, and um, it was interesting when we got to Donegal. He was disappointed that uh, the nearest <laughs> Nando's was Dublin. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ken was also very much in, into you know proper diet, looking after himself and. And for for us in the in, particularly in in the, the 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 service areas for various rallies, you kind of grab what you can. But uh, trying to when you get a rider for Ken coming to you for a weekend, and you see the request on there for gluten free, and you know the first time I got that, I thought, Jesus, how are we going to cope with this? You know, and uh, we had a standard joke. Then I sent somebody he wanted M and M's at one point were on his rider. So I told somebody that Ken only wanted the uh, the blue M and M's because they matched the uh, the color of his race suit. So this person spent a whole day ripping M and M bags to take all the blue ones out to put them in a bowl for Ken. Um, so yeah, it, it you know he he had a great attention to detail, but also had a very good sense of humor and and liked to have you know fun on a weekend. Um, I guess my my. Probably my favorite weekend of any season with Ken would have been the weekend that we spent at Goodwood because he just liked how how quirky the whole society type event was. And I remember we were going to on the Saturday night of Goodwood, there's always a, a black tie ball. And um Lord Marsh will will you will get invited to the ball. Uh, but not only did Ken get invited to the ball. He got invited to afternoon tea in the um, in the parlor at Goodwood House, and uh, we would um, uh, take him there, chaperone him to Lord Marsh. Uh, Monty the butler was there. He would meet us, chaperone Ken in for the afternoon tea, and you know we're standing outside waiting for him. And you know it was always laughter, and it was just hilarious, you know. And he would be there in his race suit and everybody else in hoodies and whatever and all these people are on informal wear and i remember picking them up to go to the first um ball that they were invited to and we were staying uh, not far from goodwood house so there was uh ken matt and ron so i arrived in my um my suit my dicky bow the whole lot and I said, right, guys, are we ready? And they came out and the three of them are all des- dressed in uh, DC camouflage shirts, uh, black uh, baseball hats and trainers. And I said, guys, you can't go like that. 
oh yeah we can i said no you can't you have to dress like this no they said you need to change into something like this <laughs> so we we went to the um to the ball uh, we were the only people there in non-formal attire and people saw us turning up and they said oh there we can so they're okay <laughs> so it was just one of those occasions that i thought jesus i can't believe we're doing this you know but <laughs> it worked yeah. <laughs> but like uh, Colin, like he was, you know, you, you, the, I go back to the word you said at the very start, maverick. You know, he didn't conform to n the the norm, and the sport was the better for that. Be honest with you, I think uh, Ken Block is the biggest missed opportunity for WRC mm -hmm. in my whole career. That uh, that was a promoter opportunity. They had at one point in the sport. Kimi Räikkönen and Ken Block doing fairly full seasons. I, I mm -hmm. can't honestly remember, yeah. but it's as good and as talented and as brilliant as the current crop of drivers are. And consistently through the last three decades, there's Ken Block is on a different level on a global scale, and he brings you attention. He brings you, as Gerard said, clicks and views, and uh, brings you traction. You got to. If, and his main love in the whole of uh, all of his motoring activities is rally. Mm -hmm. yeah. So a clever promoter takes advantage of that and makes sure he's part of the scene. And uh, I would have to say that that's a, that's a missed opportunity, but look at all the opportunities he made himself. He created yeah. himself. And he absolutely, I think anyone in life, you don't know when it's over, but if you could honestly hand on heart and say, for what I did and what I achieved through my career, no regrets. Wow, I'd say he, what a career! Yeah. What, what yeah. could he regret? Yeah, he lived. He lived more in those fifty-five years than the rest of us could live in five lifetimes. Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, yeah. You know, obviously, I'm only talking here about the sporting side or yeah. the uh, competition side, but it extends beyond just the image, the the Hoonigan brand. The Jim Carner, uh, the DC shoes prior to all of that, and the, so his legacy will grow. Yeah, it, I, I, I think you know. Added to that, Ken Ken had a very simple view on life, you know, and, and uh, one one of his uh, you know a quote from Ken is like, you know, you talk about living living the life he did. He he lived every single day as fully as he possibly could, and you know he was. A believer you know he said uh, be creative live a fun life and don't be an asshole and that was his that was his simple philosophy you know and that's essentially what he did and like we're not even touching on the family money was either like you know the, the 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 life experience that he had given those kids and like leah's the oldest and what leah's only 17 and like she is on a, a trajectory that she could see her go to the wrc the the results she has achieved already. It's a you know it's fantastic. Um, called Mika, the young fella. The time he was in Donegal, they landed to the test. He was overchanging the wheels. Like they just get stuck in. They just do things. They're just normal people. Yeah, it's. Uh, I had. Uh, I was very fortunate to have a dinner with them all. Uh, I was when we were on one of these events, and uh, I sat next to the little lad uh, Micah, yeah. and. Uh, I was I was interested to know about the motocross come uh, cart whatever track they'd built in the ranch, and uh, I imagine 
what came across really strongly for me was, yeah, Micah knew all about it, didn't really, and was completely unspoiled. As I said, have you got a quad bike? No. Have you got this? No. And so I think Ken was very, very clever to not to spoil his kids, but give them every opportunity possible. And I think from what I've heard, Leah, she's been driving a Formula Four. Jared, I don't know these cars. This yeah, she she um, she has uh, been driving a Formula Four. Interestingly, that was probably one of the challenges I ever came across in 2013 to put Ken into a Formula Four car at the test track at Donton. It was something he wanted to do, but he didn't realize how small a Formula Four car was versus his long legs. But uh, we did manage to squeeze him into it. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, Leah was quick, really quick. After, uh, ironically, he couldn't fit in a Formula One card when they That's right, yeah, they tried yeah. that once, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it, it's what a nice family, what a grounded, lovely family. Uh, and I'm just, uh, you know, they are grieving like hell, yet coming across really positive if you see any of their social media. Yeah, yeah they, they just announced today, um, I think it's called Institute 43, which is in memory of Ken. And it's um, a foundation that will help to um, nurture uh, young creatives. Um, and that was something that Ken was always, I, I don't think not, not necessarily nurturing people in, in motorsport, but but the creative side in terms of what people uh, felt they, they were, were good mm-hmm. at and what they could accomplish in life. And he started off in life, you know, doing uh, silk screening, silk screen printing on T-shirts. And that's really where DC shoes came from in, in 94, 95, I think. Um, so, you know, it's it's great to see that his legacy um, through the inst- this new institute will be something that's more towards creative, that it gives a lot more people the opportunity than just people, we'll say, from a motorsport background. Mm-hmm. Jared, you mentioned the word legacy there, and I suppose, do we know yet what Ken's legacy is, or is it too early to tell, you know, what he's done for the world of motorsport? I I think, you know, I I thought about that um, in the last few days, and it probably is uh, too early right now, but certainly from the experiences I've had with Ken, um, you know, his legacy to me right now is certainly he's somebody who will break the internet if he does anything. And he's the he's the first person that that I ever came across that created such a storm through the internet with the content he put out, certainly from Jim Kana five, six, and seven, because they were probably to me the the most exciting uh Jim Kana and the most daring and the most challenging ones that we did with Ken. Um and and the the phenomenal success of not just the people who viewed them, but they were in publications around the world that you wouldn't normally see uh, motorsport or extreme sports mm-hmm. featuring in, and that was a really exciting time. And and from uh, from a business perspective, from a marketing perspective, um, I think you know Ken will leave a legacy. He will be known certainly for motorsport, and he will be known for being a sports athlete. But I think for many people, he will be admired, respected and, and um, you know, admired for what he did in terms of marketing, in terms of uh, the digital age, because he was he was ahead of the curve. He knew what to do when the digital age came about and how to make it work for a brand. 
And to me, that's that is a huge legacy that he leaves today before we even contemplating what else uh, will be part of his legacy. And just to wrap things up, then I suppose, like, if there's one abiding memory that you will take with you of Ken Block, just in a, you know a couple of sentences, maybe if you could uh, start off with you, maybe there, calling that one. Just uh, it's it's a bit more than a few sentences. I'll try <laughs> and keep a long story, not too long. <laughs> uh, used to obviously. You recce stages, the drivers recce the stages to make the pace notes, but the photographers recce stages too, so we know where to go. And uh, quite quickly got into a situation where uh, Ken would be my go-to guy, Ken and Alex. I'd talk, well, if I was unsure of a location, I would talk to them. And soon after a few years and the trust was there, Ken would ask me where I was going. And he would actually get Alex to write in the pace notes. It was media. That was, <laughs> that was the note for, and it would be the film crew as well as stills and everything. And uh, we had this place in Switzerland and I'd seen photos of a, a jump on, it's an asphalt rally. And uh, he did the recce. I think he arrived a little bit late and only drove the stage once. And I said, well, what do you think of the jump? He said, well, wh where's that then? So he got Alex to go through the pace notes, and it was uh, uh, five right, 100 crest. Uh, what, what does that mean? He said, well, it means I've got 100 metres to decide whether or not to break. And uh, I said, well, I'll go. He said, well, yeah, go there, and I'll, I'll do what I think's right. And uh, he didn't lift, took off like mad, and uh, I got the picture. And it was a bit of pressure, but it, it was such a nice story when you go back to say, and he was so happy with the pictures that I got. And uh, that kind of thing continued in Barbados. And obviously when I spoke to you about uh, Donegal, Kevin, that he knew mm -hmm. some of the places he was going to, but got a bit wild uh, last year in Kenya. He had a Tuttle Porsche uh, to do the classic safari rally, which is a 10 day epic marathon it's a bit of an endurance event. It's not supposed to be flat out. And uh, on the first day, uh, the cameraman got a nice little picture of, uh, of him flying over a crest. Uh, uh, and he said, oh, have you got the same shot? I said, I wasn't there. He said, oh. so mental note, He want, his Instagram followers need to see wild action, find the jump. So the next day, drove into the first section because I knew there were all these... Uh, not crests, but they were uh, water tunnels under the road, uh, culverts and things. So found the one that I thought would the car would fly. It was a straight, completely straight afterwards, flat as a pancake, big bump in the road. And I got on to Alex and said, this is my location. Um, it's uh, such kilometres, such and such, it's in the road book and everything. It's absolutely gun barrel straight and it's as flat as a pancake, easily flat out. I'd even seen the school bus not didn't lift. And then he he was something like the second or third car on the road, but he had two punches, so he stopped before they got going again. So he's in a hurry. All the cars before him, you lifted off and changed down. And now I'm stood there, and the next one's Ken, and I can hear him for half a minute flat out absolutely flat out and i think oh my god he's not slowing down here it's a bit late to stop him <laughs> and he absolutely nailed this crest 
flew massively in a Porsche and landed quite heavily on the nose. Thank God a 911 hasn't got a front radiator and it's air cooled. It's only got a world cooler or something. So he crumpled the front and kept going. Got to the end of the stage and then the, the phone starts. It's it, it was Derek and Alex giving me a massive bollock. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't flat out. And I was th- I went to see him in service. I thought, well, should I really? He loved it. He absolutely loved it. It's exactly what he was there for. He wanted to put on a show. He got the pictures, Instagram followers love all that. Yeah. Uh, no major damage done. <laughs> Friendship <laughs> intact. So, But I never thought in my entire career, and I'm coming towards the end of it, I would end up writing pace notes for Ken Block. <laughs> Maybe just as well it was at the end of your career. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Sebastian Ogier will be making the call this weekend. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean it's it's a really difficult one for me because Ken, um, as I said uh, earlier in 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 our discussion, the Ken lived every day to the fullest, and you know he he has left me with so many good memories from from the sport, from the business of motorsport. Um, but I, I guess the 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 highlight for me um, was being able to bring Ken to Donegal and make him, you know, happy. And it, it was a difficult challenge for me because um, it didn't quite fit with with uh, Ford's plans and their strategy. But we were able to make it work, um, and it, it was a great sense of achievement and to be able to fulfil his his dreams and and mine as well to get him to Ireland. And I think, um, you know, after that, I would say a close second would be the weekends we shared in in Goodwood were probably the best weekends of, you know, irrespective of WRC, WRX, X Games, whatever events we'd been to. uh, Goodwood always gave us uh, the time to because we were there essentially from Thursday until Sunday. And sometimes we share the same house or the same accommodation. Um, we, We ate together. The family were there. Uh, it, it was a much more relaxed uh, atmosphere, um, but yet we were there to do uh, do a job of work. And Ken was great to to work with, and it was a pleasure to host him and to be able to make um, make his weekend as as comfortable as possible. But we we always had a common objective, which we said at the outset was to create um, excitement, you know, that fanfare and spectacle around the brand, and and I think. It's probably one of the few programs that I've worked on that all the partners that were involved in those programs with Ken, they were all 100% satisfied with the return they were getting. Some lovely stories there from Jared and Colm. Uh, now we catch up with Chris Megan, Neil McDade, uh, Alex Gillesimo and Martin Brady. Hey, everybody. Yeah, thanks for having me, first of all. Yeah, so... Um, uh, Obviously, we we go back a few years back. So Ken and I, uh, I, I had to sort of dig in my memories a little bit. Um, we first met in uh, early two thousand and five. We started working together. Our first event um, was uh, um, uh, an an event in Tennessee called the Cherokee Trails Rally. Beautiful rally that um, a few people in in this panel are actually being there, competitor or or. Uh, just being part of it, um, so it, it was. Uh, 
the, the approach came from uh, Vermont Sports Car that uh, was the team that kind of selected to to start as you know starting competing and rallying. He had officially sold DC shoes. It, it was a uh, it, it was a, a time of his life where he wanted to try some new challenges, and um, and the team approached me. Uh, contacted me and said that uh, there was this uh, um, this new customer that was interested in uh, in uh, competing and starting to compete in rally and it looked like it was a fairly long-term deal but the problem was that for me at that point I had already committed for a, for a ride in the American Championship um, uh, in an open class car it was a good rider driver I worked with prior uh, so I said to them I'm sorry I really Thank you. I appreciate you reaching out, but I am already committed. Anyway, long story short, that particular driver had you know, happened to, unfortunately for him, to have some legal problem and had to spend a few years behind bars. So when I got the news, I was like, oh, God, I don't have the ride anymore. So I contacted Vermont Sports Car and, and, and said, okay, this is the situation. And they said, well, he's sorted. He's got a ride, which I believe it was a rally in Canada. Um, if that doesn't work out, we'll let you know. Anyway, the day after that event in Canada, he told me, okay, it didn't work out with that particular co-driver, so we would like you to do a test event, which was the, the Cherokee Trails event in, in Tennessee. Uh, and so we that event was like two, three weeks later. You know, Matt Ken, you know, I, I remember the night before the wreck, he had a meal with him and Lucy and... And then uh, the following day, did a recce, and that was our introdu- introduction. And anyway, it was a one event deal. It worked out quite well, and uh, from there on, it became a you know a consistent a consistent ride for me. And maybe Neil Neil McDade, would you come in there and talk? Um, I was just thinking, should I give the, the long version or the short version? <laughs> um, since it's a podcast, you always edit it out a little bit. But um, I was trying to think. The last day, I posted the picture. Which I put down as the first time I ever met Ken was in uh, the, the main winter rally, but it actually wasn't. Um, it was much more spectacular than that. Um, in t- 2000, I had been prior to that, um, I'd been covering rally in the United States for the local papers, did a little bit for car sport, flat to the mat, um, and had been covering exclusively the Irish guys. Didn't, not that we didn't care about anybody else, but it was really around the Irish people. So, um, 2004, uh, Shane Mitchell was running for the championship, and at the start of the rally, there's a shakedown stage. It's called Rattler, and um, fairly nondescript little uh, little shakedown stage. But there, there's this at the very at the finish boards. There's this kind of a kick, and if you hit it at the right spot, you know, it got spectacular. I was up there at the end of that stage in 2004. I was actually doing sweep for the rally, and uh, Shane came over it and basically up on the door handles. Um, and I had snapped a picture of it and somebody else was there and they took a picture of it. But um, in 2005, I've been standing down Rattler at the start at, at the service area. I'm talking to Shane and I asked Shane for some reason he wasn't doing the shakedown, but Ken came kind of, I always, the one thing about Ken is he come over and he has the hands in the pockets and, you know, he, he, did, he did his gear on and his white suit on and he, um, he got talking to Shane and he was like, sit Shane. He was like, that was, you know, I'm sure much to the dismay of Alex. He says, uh, where was that last year that you were up on the, you know, Kim was there, uh, she says up the top of the, the shakedown stage. And, um, 
you know, we're chatting him and Shane kind of told him how I hit it and stuff to get there. And uh, so I wasn't going to go up. Shane wasn't going. I wasn't going to go up. And I said, I'll take a, I'll take a ride up anyway. And uh, went up and I was uh, myself and Lars Grange, who was the photographer for Super at the time. We're standing in and Lars had told me when I got there, he says, you need to be careful here. He says, it's kind of some of them cut the grass. He says, you know, he says, um, and some of them are okay to come out. Ugh. Ken comes over, same as Shane, way up in the air, but he was just, he was just that little bit further out in the road and where Shane kind of got caught in the groove and, you know, <laughs> Ken got it down after that, but he, he got it down and was up so far that he, he just gave it a little turn to kind of not keep it from going over and it ended up just shooting into the, into the, into the, uh, into the middle of the marsh. No, no damage, but the car beached itself. But <laughs> so, um, I hadn't talked to, I talked to Ken very briefly. So Ken is out of the car and he's walking around in the middle of the marsh. Alex is in the car, got out of the car, didn't really get out, standing on the roller cage. He's looking around and, um, we shouted into Ken and it was like, this stage is called Rattler for a reason. There's rattlesnakes on it and you're in the middle of the swamp. And Ken he walked out to the road and, you know, he was like, well, what was that like? And, you know, he kind of joked me. He's like, did you picture that? And I said, Lars was there. I said, Lars got a picture. I didn't really, but, you know, I kept on chatting. And it kind of went from there. I had a picture, which I showed him in the back of the camera, but never really posted. It was a little different than what Lars has, but because he was a photographer or Subaru, I didn't feel that. You know, it was his deal. So, but um, it progressed from there. But I'd, I'd say when I really got to know Ken was, and Alex might remember, it went on. There was a couple of different shots throughout the years. It was just, you know, I would give them to, or, you know, Vermont Sports Car, get them off of indirectly through Ken. Ken would send me a message, whatever. But um, in 2009, I don't know if it was Alex or it was the, it was the guys from Max Media. They had... Um, they contacted me and they says, hey, would you be interested in coming up? Ken's having a test day up in Kearney's, which I knew very well because we have been up there twice before in the Mark II Escort. And I was like, Mark II Escort? I was like, sure, we'll go up. You know, I'll have to say it, Ken, it was my last statement, my first statement. It was it was one of the best days in rallying ever, ever, ever. When I say rallying, a rally car on a stage, Ken went around that freaking stage like relentlessly. And I'm like, this little Mark II Escort is just... But it was it was great, and he and he was just he was being Ken. He was perfecting every corner that he could find. He was just it was and and I, as I said, I took it from there. And he asked me to you know cover some events from there on out. And I did the 2010 season with him. And as he says, this is the short and long. This is the long version. But um, <laughs> it's 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 gone from there. And you know, um, it became a good friend. And then Chris, Chris, uh, Megan, you want to come in there? Your thoughts on it? Well, I was slightly younger at the time when I first i I kind of heard of Ken coming in. I think that was the International Rally New York in two thousand five, and I might have been twelve or thirteen at the time. So okay. I was a little younger, <laughs> a little younger at the time. So I didn't really actually meet Ken in person probably until New York oh eight. Then I had footage of him and whatnot, but I was always traveling around. My father, my father would take me to the events. He used to race himself, but we were always out spectating and whatnot and normally not in the services as much to actually get talking to Ken and, or Alex in general. But then Ken had come to New York, which would have been my home event in 08 for the tarmac versions. And there wasn't as much media coverage at that event. It wasn't the national rounds. It was kind of a subsidiary round of the, you know, 
USAC at, or at the time, I think it was. Um, and that's when I first really got to start talking to Ken and Alex because they were looking for footage and I met Ken that way and, you know, provided a couple shots. I mean, granted it was on little Sony handy cams or whatever they were at the time that, you know, the quality has gotten a little bit better over the years. And then, uh, you know, I, another memory then further on was probably Maine. Maine would have been my second event to go to a lot. And, um, I remember, I think it was maybe 2013 at one of the test days at Team O'Neill's, I was just walking around, you know, there was a couple cars testing at the time. And I think Ken had his motorhome up there on the property. All of a sudden the door pops open, Chris, how's everything? And I would have, I hadn't seen Ken in a couple of years, probably at that point. And I just, I was in not disbelief, but I just couldn't realize that he remembered my name still after, you know, probably all the people that he had met over the years at that point. But, um, yeah, no. And then, uh, been shooting with, you know, gotten shots of him. A video of the last couple of years has been, uh, something else. And even last season with the Hyundai was just unreal. Um, you know, so that's my, uh, little, story there i i tried to keep it a bit shorter than neil <laughs> and, and mr brady like uh your familiar voice on the podcast what uh what's your first memories of meeting ken bloke um i had to think about this i know the first event that i did in the u.s that ken and alex would have been doing i think was 06 stpr but my first memory of him was the the following year and that was dave mira another person who sadly no longer with us in the sport uh, Dave Mira was there and there was quite a bit of excitement about it. We were on recce for Snowdrift and there was people sort of gathering Ken and Alex and Dave. And I can't remember who was sitting with Dave at the time were there and people were going up looking for Dave's autograph and so on. And he was to me, I, I you know, I didn't realize the significance of Dave outside of rallying. But I remember people clamoring for his autograph and so on. And what I remember was having a conversation with Ken and Alex about the recce car. I don't know if Alex remembers what that was at the time. It was some sort of a real cool Pontiac, it's like a two-wheel drive turbo thing or something. Something that on the face of it was probably um, probably not the best thing for Recce and Snowdrift, but I, that was my abiding memory. And, um, you know, I what I had seen of Ken first was the New Zealand um, video, the, the snow video. That was just, you know, so cool, the one over the jumps. I think it was Snow Lab 2.0 or whatever. That was the fir- my first introduction to Ken Block, and I, I thought it was just something different, something cool. And, you know, the music track that it, it used with it, it just, it brought so many new things together that was from outside of the sport of rallying. And it wasn't ostensibly a rallying video, but I thought it was cool because there was a rally car in it. And it drew me to the video because there was a rally car in it. So obviously the inverse of that was it drew so many other people outside of the sport to rallying to something that had a rally car in it. And that was the thing that Ken did so much over the years. And I think people are only realizing that now in, in retrospect in what's, you know, a, a sad time and a sad story. And, and people now reflect and realize just how much he did that and that they really appreciate now just how groundbreaking that was, what it did for the sport and the level that it reached and the professionalism that it had and that it brought there's countless, countless stories in the last number of days, um, you know, on social media about and the common thread through it for so many people is I never would have gone to a rally or I never knew about rallying until Ken and Hooligan and so on. So it's, you know, 
it's bittersweet to see that now, I guess, that people um, understand and appreciate that. And I know it's a sad time for, for Alex and the guys on a, on, a, on a personal level because I've seen it firsthand. There's been such a close-knit team there for so many years and Ken had that around him. And I can I can view it from the personal side and, and the personalities involved and the the bond that those guys had on the team and how right back from the from the days in the Vermont car, there's there's so many guys that uh, then moved on when Ken set up their you know the guys set up their own team, but uh, you know I can see I can see that, and um, I, I know what it's like to be lucky enough and, and Alex and Ken had it to to have a a co-driver driver relationship that lasts for as long as it did and it you know they will have known each other so well in the car and got on so well together and I've had that with a couple of drivers but. Uh, I one of them and the story crosses over here I, I can remember um one morning Seamus Burke we were all happened to be staying in the same hotel there was Ken and Alex and Travis was there as well and I went down for breakfast and, and Seamus been Seamus was up an hour before any of us and had been over the road to the shop and he he you know the filling station and he came in like thunder <laughs> and uh went up to one of the uh, one of the organizers of the championship and started to tell him quite forcefully and you know wagging his finger that he'd been over the road in the filling station and had spoken to the lady behind the counter and explained to her that he was in town for a rally she knew nothing of what a rally was or what the rally was she had no idea but as soon as he said that Ken Block and Travis Pastrana was coming to town straight away instantly it 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 fired something in her she knew who they were she understood all of a sudden what it was you know, we were in a small town in the middle of America um, that the rally had come to for years before, but the rally was not an event, but the personalities and the names made it an event. And I remember he came over and it quite, James came over and quite forcefully said it to the, the championship organizer, you're not making the best of this. You know, these guys are household names. You know, you should have uh, advertisement you should have a billboard coming into the town six weeks ago telling them that the circus is coming to town and these guys are the circus and you know you're not making the best of it and you're not appreciating these guys what they're doing for you and what they're doing for the sport and both ken and and also travis who was there um they were quite um you know they were modest about it but the point i guess i'm trying to make is that we just didn't realize just how big an impact ken was having on the sport as a professional and as a marketeer and the levels that he brought it to and the things that he did, you know, there were just, there were, there were ground, groundbreaking and shattering. And, you know, he was an icon and a hero to so many people, both in the competition side of the sport and just in the automotive side of the sport. And I can remember for me when I was younger and my first hero in the sport was Ayrton Senna. And how much it shook me and shook other people in the sport at the time when he was lost to the sport. And I don't think it's overreaching to say that the loss of Ken Block to motorsport and, and the automotive industry um, is it, it's it's on a par. And I, I think that's the it's you know, that's the the professional ramifications or the, the you know, the level of the loss that it is to the sport. And then we have the, the personal loss that I know the guys will be feeling in that team and his family. And it's, it's, it's you know, it's so sad and that will go on for, for so much longer. And I, I hope that in the midst of it all, they'll have the, the happy memories. And I know, I know there will be many, 
But the one memory that abides with me, and you know, Ken regularly came back in the queue to talk to Seamus, and I've done rallies with Seamus since 2010. So nearly every rally, Ken will be walking back to queue and he would talk. And there was great human conversations then, but I can remember one conversation that struck me in the the difference in Ken Block as the person and Ken Block as the the, the rally driver. I was doing a rally and I think it was probably 2013 with another driver. We were in Maine in one of the stages where there's a turnaround. So, you know, you have to wait for all the, it's, it's not something we'd be used to here in Europe, but it's a good system. It works well in America where that um, everybody completes the stage. They park and they wait in like a regroup situation to go back into the stage. And Ken came back and he was talking to us. And at that time, I think he had just moved to Utah and the conversation around, re- revolved around moving the family out to Utah and the, the impact of actually moving the dogs to Utah and and how that it was just a human conversation and a a nice chat to have about you know a family moving and schools moving and all that and he was very much Ken the person talking about his family and quite proud about it and then somebody came up to interview him and and quite literally just like you'd see in, in any other form of motorsport f1 or whatever zipped up his suit closed his collar excused himself turned and, and clicked into professional mode where he was I wouldn't go as far as to say he was playing a character but he he turned on and he gave the interview everything that it needed and the levels of promotion and so on and he just he he hit every mark and it was yeah it was it's just a, a memory for me of the consummate professional that he was and how he could do you know the 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 private person and then the the professional person just excellent in both spheres Alex was it clear from the you know from the early days of, of you sitting with Ken that he had this fantastic grasp um unconventional grasp nearly of social media and how to use it and a, a maybe an unconventional approach to promoting himself and the sport well uh, it was obviously clear that there was um uh, something special something different that had to do with the way he wanted to sort of like bring his experience from previous um uh, from previous um, experiences I had like a business experience uh, with DC shoes and the way that brand was promoted and and became a, a household name he wanted to do the same with the sport of rallying so that was clear at the beginning for me but let's remember we're talking about 2005 when when we started working together so there wasn't really the social media didn't quite exist at that point Uh, i was thinking like how did we how did they promote that sort of um media and it was like they will sell dvds you know the, the 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 famous dc dvds for skateboarding and snowboarding and things like that and and yes videos started to appear right after and then there was the the uh, the boom of social media a few years later and and that was uh, the way really because he was such an innovator you know he he was such a smart mind when he came to promotion and media and marketing he embraced that tool and and he, he offered that tool to promote his sponsors in a very again innovative way uh so i did i did see that growth and i was privileged to experience that that transition from uh, uh, non-social media to then social media and taking over the world of social media and and, and creating uh, um, such a platform that was so valuable 
for the sponsors, for the partners and everything, you know, uh, to, a, to, a, to a way that no many drivers had been able to or, or teams have been able to, uh, to accomplish. I mean, nowadays we see some teams for the social media platforms or some teams in Formula One and uh, and uh, and WRC and so on, I, I, you see that it's sort of like an evolution of what Kent started in the late 2000s. So uh, it, it's great. He was aware of that, but it's great for us that we were um, part of his circle to uh, to see that what's happening today on social media is pretty much credit to what he started you know, 12, 15 years ago. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't a... Look, I, I'm, I'm not an expert on social media, media marketing and so on, but it's been great to be on the side, of, especially, you know, even some of the meetings that, that happened, you know, in, within the team, with the media team, and, and understand and learn that. You know, I feel very privileged to have been sort of like a, a fly on the wall and, and experience that. Uh, and then there was obviously the the, the Ken um, rally driver, you know, and to sort of like um, expand a little bit the answer to your question is like I did see right away like that very first rally in Tennessee. I remember the first time we were in the car together uh, was a shakedown of the event, and I remember doing one two runs of the shakedown and, and thinking, okay, he knows what he's doing with basic things like weight transfer, you know, rotating the car and everything. There, there was definitely um, something that I had not seen before with other drivers. Uh, and he, you can tell it was a combination of what he learned at rally schools like Tim O'Neill or private tuitions, you know, with, with David Higgins and so on. And I, also his previous experience in uh, sports like uh, motocross, you know, or even skateboarding and, and snowboarding and everything. He knew dynamics. He knew um, uh, what weight transfers and things like that were. So that applied very well right away into into his rallying. And it was something that for me was great to see because I, I knew from the beginning, okay, there is a massive potential here. Obviously, Ken was a, a wealthy individual at the beginning. There were no sponsors. Our first events were you know, pretty much white suits, and you know, and there were no corporate names yet. The car was carrying was carrying DC shoes sponsorship, but uh, I knew that there was a potential there to progress. Especially when I realized how passionate and how much he loved the sport of rally. So um, it was um, it, it was something that it was great to see, and I. In the back of my mind, I knew something big was about to happen as far as him and what he would give to the automotive and motorsport industry in a few years to come. But I just, I didn't, I, obviously, I couldn't uh, quite understand what it would be. Um, I knew it was coming, but I didn't know what it was going to be. And then it was obviously great to experience it year after year. And, you know, then the Subaru years, the Ford years, and then, you know, Jim Kana progressing into... The, the marketing media and uh, tool that it, it had been for many, many years. Actually, I, I, can, I can add just a little bit on the back of what Alex says there is that um, from a slightly different perspective, um, I, I think that one of the biggest things that we noticed back in the day was we, we had a ESPN covering rally and they did a pretty good job of it. I think they might have one time they had one camera, they had two cameras or whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot. 
Um, I think when Travis came on board, they you know popped them up a little bit more. But when Ken arrived, it started off. I wouldn't say slow, but it started off. And Rally was Rally America. A rally in the U.S. was just not ready for Ken Block. You know, they, they talk about people stepping into the limelight. Well, not only did Ken step into the limelight, he brought his own lights with him. <laughs> I mean, this was, and you got to realize also, I think I could be wrong on this. Somebody could fact, YouTube only got going in 2004, I believe, or 2005. So Ken knew more about YouTube than, than we knew about it, but, but he was moving so fast. And, you know, this is where I'm probably going to get something to stick a dagger in. <laughs> but the resistance that we got in the media office, Ken had a crew, and I kind of, you know, as, as we went through those years, I um, made a crew from Mad Media, and the grief that we got, I'd say we got, I mean, just getting credentials, we had too big of a crew, um, and it was, it was a it was a tough thing for the rally organizers to kind of corral. It didn't, they, they tried to corral it, but then they realized, wait a minute, this is good for rally, but it, there was so much coverage that Ken could generate that other competitors down the field were like, you know, we're getting no coverage, but they didn't realize that Ken was generating the coverage so much. So at one point, I believe it was at Olympus or somewhere um, that there was this kind of a brouhaha started up and Ken offered um, because we, I think at the time there was mad media. I wasn't officially on the crew at that time. I was just, I actually was kind of showing mad media around and um, Ken offered to cover the event. He was like, I'll cover the event for you. He's like, I'll I'll cover up, you know as many cars down through the field as I can, you know we have enough crew here and yeah it was it was it was they, they, they weren't prepared but eventually you know the rest is history we got the X Games and as Alex says <laughs> it was fast track from there so sure and like Chris as you talked about earlier you know you're this young fella like at you know thirteen and then all of a sudden you were in the midst of the media you know, in the midst of this the social boom. media boom. Yeah. yeah. So like I guess I'm sure if since you were a child or anyone else over in Europe, they would have had a clue of what rallying was. When I was in elementary school and younger, I mentioned rallying and no one had a clue what I was talking about. They just knew it was cars and that was it. All of a sudden YouTube rolls around, the late two thousands roll around, Travis is in the mix with rallying, Ken's now in the mix. I get to college, I mentioned Ken's name, I mentioned Travis's name mostly every i mean at least guy at that point knew who ken was who knew travis was they were like wait you've met these guys before and what they were oh, i've seen his gymkhana stuff i've seen this i knew the dirt biking and whatnot and it just you know you could see from like you know you, it, when you're in the moment you don't realize it at the time but that transition of no one knew what you're talking about here and then all of a sudden now you can mention to someone, even just this week now on job sites, I, I, I'm in the construction industry. There's guys that, you know, I've chatted about, oh, I do this. And they're like, oh, you know, like Ken Block and whatnot. They're like, you know, they know just random people will know what rallying is now compared to what it was in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, you know, with that boom and what Ken generated for the social media aspect of things and with bringing the media teams on. Because as Neil said, one, to get a media pass here for the longest time was, you know, it was a bit difficult, you know, d depending on what you were doing. And then I think it, in the last couple of years now with the likes of the ARA series, it's they've realized what the social media aspect to this is and the growth of what, you know, needs to be done to promote the series. And that's 
you know, it, whether you like it, it's directly contributed, I think, from Ken, you know, joining the, the sport here. For sure. And like, you know, what the appeal he had, like you sort of touching on, it goes went way beyond rallying. Like he was household. He was, you know, the man in the street knew who he was. And like that was probably never properly harnessed. Uh, Martin, you want me to take that one? Um, I don't know about harness because I, I think Ken harnessed it with his team behind him. They did, you know, they got every every centimetre they could out of it. Um, I, I would say it was harnessed by them and, that you know, they gave it their best effort. And I, I, I can't see there was no stone unturned there. And, you know, things like, like just outside of motorsport and competition, you know, the Jim Canna videos were just so iconic and epic. I mean, you have everyone has their favorites. I remember watching the San Francisco one and being blown away by it and understanding what those cars could do and the, the mechanics and the dynamics of it, knowing what was possible. But then seeing how much further Ken was taking it was just, you know, it was crazy. So I think, yes, they, they you know, the guys at Hoonigan did everything they could and we have to be grateful for what they did. But to the point that was it harnessed, perhaps, as the guys were saying in the early days, no. Uh, you would have to say it wasn't. It took people time to catch up. Ken and the guys were so far ahead that it you know, took people time to to realise just what this was. Um, but to the point, uh, my memory of, of that time of the, you know, being in the town in the middle of America where the rally meant nothing, but the guys meant everything. And, uh, you know, my driver, Seamus, when he came in and made that point that, yes, perhaps at that point, there should have been something more to do. Um, OK, I know there's there's whatever amount of cars doing a rally and you have to give all the competitors attention. But I think in this instance, the, they could have been singled out and maybe used more as a as a vehicle to promote the sport. But I'd be remiss if I didn't say, you know, leaving the the. I suppose Kem's the modern day evil Knievel as such, leaving all that out of it. Just as a as a rally competitor, you know, you have to take a moment to say all his results and the speed that he had and the you know how you know Alex talks about how where he started, he always had that innate ability and he had that um, you know, that skill set was there, but how he refined it and moved on. And if you just look at the amount of rallies the guys did there. And where they traveled, it's not just in the US, you know, they've won Rally Legend, they've won Barbados. Um, you know, there's great in-car there when they did Duvar and things like that. So there's there's iconic, you know, the Safari as well and the Total Car. If you just look at the actual reach the guys had and the, the events they did and the results that they put up in those ones. And when the guys came to Donegal, I would say that I was quite biased in that because I wanted to see them come and do well. Because... You know, I have a foot in the American camp so much and for so long. Um, I wanted to see them do well and acquit themselves do well. And I know they, I think it was the third stage you stopped on Alex, but on the second stage, they had a stormer of a time in the national rally, beating guys, you know, first time in Donegal, first time on tar Irish tarmac, um, you know, to beat some of the lads that would know every bump and bend of where they were going because rallying in Ireland is, I don't want to get off the point here, but rallying in Ireland has gone like that where there's, I won't say local knowledge, but there's repetition of stages. You know, when you go to Donegal on the Friday, you're doing these stages and everyone's very familiar. So to come into that and put on a result like that shows the measure of the pace and the ability was there. And you have to remember, you know, Ken twice got to the very thin end of, you know, the American Championship race and 
um, David Higgins, Brandon Seminock, and that's that's no mean feat. So, as well as being, you know, the expert marketeer and and team owner and visionary that he was, there was nothing wrong with Ken Block, the rally driver, either. Definitely, you know, and you know, even looking at you know beyond that, even the WRC, uh, Alex, you spent two years in the WRC, and every event you just want to, it was almost going to for the first time, and to acquit yourself so well. It was looking back now. It was on here of of somebody to come in at that level and be able to score, you know, top ten results. It, it probably didn't get the credit it deserved at the time. Yeah, I agree with you. You're absolutely right. And and look, Ken was the first one to because he always pushed for the for the next level. He was never happy, you know, because he wanted to always over deliver for the sponsors and the fans. You know, that was his. Uh, it was his way of of being in our sport. Uh, uh, I I always disagree with Ken as far as the the results in WRC because he always wanted to be do better than what he had done. But in my opinion, considering you know the later age he came into a sport and uh, uh, and the fact that unfortunately when he started in um, in the American Championship, you know the 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 reconnaissances weren't open. You know we didn't have proper two pass recce. You know we would. Uh, and that has reflected also in Travis's career. You know, when you see those two drivers, even more recently, going to events to do recce and asking uh, Rian and myself, "Hey, I do want to start the recce with with a gem, but with your with your organizer provided notes." It makes you realize that the the early stage of the rallying wasn't uh, ideal when it comes to um, understanding and 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 making. Uh, notes and and and, and recce procedures and uh, and such. So that reflected a little bit when Ken then eventually Ken and I went to um to do WRC events and uh, and slow down the the progression. I mean, it's the World Rally Championship. You have best drivers in the world and the the most difficult events in the world. But as soon as we sort of like figure out that started to also. Yeah, we started to get some consistency even in, in WRC finishes, and we will never, we were never gonna match, you know, the 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 guys that were competing full time and were were testing week in and week out. You know, at the end of the day, we were a privateer team. But in my opinion, his effort in WRC events was also quite strong. You know, uh, many top five stage times in selected events, uh, um, or. Uh, some some top ten finishes and or going to events uh, like France Tarmac or um, New Zealand and and uh, and being in some close battles with some some drivers that had a lot more experience uh, that can uh, and being able to to win in those battles. So um, it was a there was there was some positive. There was some really strong results in WRC, obviously. Um, Many would disagree with that, but we know the real stories, and, and part of it is what I just explained before with the you know, previous experience going in w, into WRC, but also his age. I remember doing uh, uh, WRC Spain. Uh, I believe it was the last day, one of the last times we did WRC Spain. I forget the year, but it's you know we finished the last stage with a puncture. Anyway, uh, it's a fairly long stage, and, and Thierry Neuville is only starting. You know two minutes behind us. I think it was something in the 50-kilometer stage, something like that. And, and Ken was concerned because, like, okay, two minutes, 50Ks, 
we it could catch us. You know, it's someone that is an extremely talented driver is half my age. Anyway, we finished the stage and uh, we never saw Terry, not even at the stop control. So, um, but it, it just gives you an idea when he himself was concerned about things like that. Drivers half his age, you know, uh, it makes you realize that at the end of the day in WRC, he did a good job. He did a good job. He might not agree with that. You know, and Martin mentioned before, you know, you go to specialized events like Barbados, you know, of uh, New Zealand and and rally legend and so on and, and you are able to to win or canada for example you know you're able to win those events outright you know beating uh, competing and, and beating some of the the local drivers which in rallying we know that these are the the strongest that the local drivers that no one knows about these are the strongest drivers you know the, the hardest to beat you know donegal Donegal it was such a specialized event that we couldn't beat the local drivers. But guess what? We left Donegal and our experience on Tarmac had improved so much. And then we went straight to Rally Legend and got into a battle with uh, with some local drivers and everybody wanted to beat Ken. You know, everybody the local drivers wanted to beat Ken and 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 we go to Rally Legend and, and we win Rally Legend. Uh Thanks to the experience and thanks to being a Donegal and getting our ass kicked by the the local drivers, you know, there was always some, there was always a method there, you know. Trust me, especially with the with the guidance of Derek Donsi over over the last decade or so. So it, it just didn't um, it didn't flow as much as it would have with a younger driver, just because he got into the sport such a later age, but. In my opinion, he did a fantastic job, and yes, we did lose two championships. And uh, uh, but at the same time, you know, from Ken's words on the video that we had from from the championship last year, sometimes you learn more. Sometimes you gain more by uh, losing um, than winning. You know, let's be honest. I I have never learned anything from winning rallies. Never did. You know, I always learn and improve as a human being and as a competitor from losing, from making mistakes. Yeah, and the, you know, the, the, we keep hearing about Ken. He surrounds himself with the best people. He demands the best. Um, like Neil, from your point of view, like you were brought into that circle, did you have to lift your game and keep pushing on the whole time? I had a very um, interesting kind of way into Ken, and and I told him right up from the start that. Um, when when Alex or again I, I, whoever called me to up to to Kearney's that time for the for the Fiesta or for the Escort um, drive and at the end of the day Ken says hey or I think Alex first told me during the middle of the day there's this thing coming up with Ford and Ken talked to me at the end of the day and he said you know are you interested in doing this and I said that you know I I have a full well I was I'm working for myself I do work for myself I says I'm fairly committed work wise um, I I spend most of my time in Asia actually and. I says I would. Um, you know, I looked at the calendar and I says, you know, give it a shot. But one of the things is a big struggle was to to um, you know to um, get to the test days, which are the best days. But it really is a big commitment. It's a it's almost like you know you're talking about five or six days in total. So um, that day at Kearney's, I mean, I got to know Ken pretty well because he said to me, he said, um, I got the end of the day. I did. 300 pictures or something and i was like so what do i do with these and he was like pick four of them and i was like which four is it like, pick four he says you're here 
He says, we asked you up here today because he says, I like what you do. They're rally pictures. They're not, they're not anything else. They're good rally pictures. If you pick them, put them out there. But um, he definitely changed my perspective on, on media in rally and how to present yourself and how to, how to um, put your best foot forward and don't put three feet, don't post everything, just post one or two here or there and, you know, make enough of it. And, um, you know, I, I, he gave me the opportunity, many opportunities, you know, I, I, I couldn't take up. And, you know, he asked me to go to Mexico with him that year and um, I couldn't do it. And, you know, he asked me multiple times to go to Gymkhana, not because he couldn't find other photographers, there's plenty of photographers out there and, there and some great photographers covered those events, but it was more of just having as many good people or people that, you know, I was honored to feel that, that Ken thought it was good enough to be in that, that realm of people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he did elevate my game in that. Um, I, I'm still, you know, very much part-time photographer. Um, I love rally. It's, it's my passion beyond any other passion. And, um, but I think, knowing Ken and being around Ken and, you know, and that was limited to rallies. Um, um, it elevates your game. You, you will elevate your game. I mean, that's just, you see what he does, you see who he is, you see how he presents himself. Um, I think Martin stepped on it perfectly well. If you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Ken Block, it's a great conversation. He's not generally who everybody else sees. He's this down to earth guy who will talk to you about normal things and, and you know when when this when the time comes up to step up to get up to the mic and be in front of a camera, he zips crosses and he's all of a sudden this cam block and everybody knows up here. So, but yes, he elevated my game. He, you know, he, I wouldn't say that he ever pushed me, but um, and he rarely critiqued any of the pictures because I tried to give him the best ones I had. So, but yes, he he brought us forward. No question about that. And Chris, like you know, you talked about starting off with a wee sunny handicam. And like you, you, your uh, tools progressed as as the years went on. Like, what's your thoughts on where uh, Ken helped you to develop as well? I mean, uh, well, I I also have to give a shout out to Alex because Alex has reached, you know, put me in contact with the Hooning guys, you know, prior to the last couple seasons because just seeing how media was going and how Ken's crew was going, and I'm I'm very familiar with all those guys that work for Ken because we see them. Me and Neil would see them out on the stages all the time and be chatting there, but. You have to step your game up when those guys are at an event because, you know, you're, you're just as a creative point of view, you're trying to, you know, make sure you're putting your best foot forward and you see what these guys are doing. And just I used to always just go to an event. I would just, you know, get there the night before, go out to the stages on the Friday, you know, and figure it out kind of thing. The last two, three seasons now I'm doing recce just the same as the drivers are are doing as well like I'm, I'm i've run into alex and ken or travis and rihanna and you know out on the stages or martin as well there you know driving around the place and all of a sudden there'll be a new york plate driving around you know in the middle of ohio or maine or wherever and you know i'm i'm trying to get my best spots and figure out things you know from the video end of end of things to try and make sure because that's what the thing is even me and neil have had this conversation you know a, a little bit there where reels have just taken over instagram and tiktok or whatever you know it, it was always photos and photos photos and now video has stepped up you know drastically the last couple of years and 
that's, you know, especially in the rally scene out here, it's mainly Ken's guys that, you know, and the Hoonigan team and Matt Johnston is, was, you know, Ken's main guy, you know, for shooting out here. And you have to compare yourself to the best to try and keep up. And that's what I've been trying to do the last couple of years. And it, it's been, it was a privilege to be out there, you know, I think at least half the events, the last couple of seasons to, you know, watch these guys and the pace, you know, Alex can attest to the pace that has been brought to the championship the last, uh, you know, couple seasons. It's been, it's been unreal to be on the side of the road to watch and, you know, capture it's, it's drastically changed from 2005 to, to now. It's like, I've never been to a WRC event, but, you know, seeing those guys on the side of the road in the, the open class cars has just been unreal to try and uh, capture. And, Sorry, go ahead, Connor. No, I was I was just going to say, you know, you mentioned there Ken surround himself, you know, with, with with talented people, but certainly from his social media, he seemed to be, you know, a very strong family man, and again promoting Leah and Lucy in the last year or two, and that. I don't know, Martin, did you get to witness that family side of him out on the on the events? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Of course you would, and and then in in the years when. Um, I suppose it, yeah, it was a benchmark to see how quickly Leah turned from, you know, a little girl that was at the rallies that you would see in the background to the next thing she was driving. Um, she sort of belied her her young years. Uh, you forget how young she is, but yes, I, I've seen that side of it too. Um, again, in years being with Seamus, Lucy would come up and talk to us and um, stuff like that. It was always. There was a little bit of rally talk, but it would always be about the family and what was going on and different things and, you know, what travel had gone on since the last rally or what was happening, things like that. So, yeah, it was a testament that um, the family life was so strong and so important there and that, yeah, rallying ran was, was so much was so much through the, the whole thing for them. And, um, yeah, there was such a family activity. And I'm, it's, it, again, not not to be too somber but it's it, it shows you that there's there's the personal loss there very much for the family and for the team which is an extension of that family you know so many guys that are in the the Hoonigan team that have been there as long as I've been in the US going rally and it's the same faces that you see so for those guys it's it's just um yeah it's it's a huge loss for them I'm, I'm very conscious of the, the thought of that that that's the, the sport has lost you know the, the the personal side of it as well but um, we just won't forget him. You couldn't forget him. I come back to my point that I think for some people, um, it was, it's 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 a loss to the sport, and um, we um, we we just we'll be, we'll be remembering him fondly for a long, long time. He he won't be forgotten. That's for sure. And Alex, obviously, you know, you spent a, a considerable amount of time with, with Ken. But in the last year or two, you know, what the, the what work was he doing with Leah? Where did he kind of see or envisage Leah going? If You know, it seemed that she was starting to follow in his footsteps. Yeah, for sure. There is a we, we can clearly see there is a family legacy there and a name legacy that was being built. And uh, like Martin said a moment ago, uh, we we did all the work possible to make sure that Leah's progression from carting into the rally stages was as smooth as possible you know and and, and ken had a 
a clear idea uh, envisioned in his mind what the next step would be and uh, and uh, so it, it is also a shame we didn't get to see that you know it's uh, he had a clear plan in his in his mind for his kids to continue in rallying he loved rallying um and, and he realized that our sport is such a unique sport that it's a sport that creates, you know, the uh, true grit. You know, it creates real men and women. You know, we and I, him and I, talked about that, and I said, Ken, if you want your kids to have strong personalities, to become real men and women, uh, you need to introduce them to a rally from an early age. Um, but he knew that there, there was no, no, no need for a reminder. So the the plan was all in in place, and hopefully. Uh, some of the plan can still happen. You know, there is a lot of people that are uh, involved in the sport, you know, the race team and you know, Rihanna and I, they are very close to the family and the kids. And uh, our goal, our mission at this point is to carry on uh, with the legacy because that's what Ken would have wanted, you know. And uh, uh, and uh, we'll see, you know, we'll sit down in the next few weeks, you know, see where we are, you know, with, with Derek Donsi and with the rest of the team and the family uh, and see where the family, where the kids want to go. But they clearly understood the importance of our sport in Ken's mind. And they were already, like you said, indoctrinated. They were already participating. So uh, don't be surprised if you if you see in, in, in the near future or medium future, Leah, Lucy, and then the other kids being part of our sport. Continuing, continuing our sport. Yeah. The one thing that sticks out in my mind is the time in Donegal. Um, the you know, uh, Lucy and the kids roped up. You know, like, and uh, as it Mika, the young fella, was overchanging the wheels. Like they, there were no prima donnas. They had to get on, and get stuck in. Like it, it just, it, yes, he was giving them the best opportunity, but they had to work for it too. Martin, you were there that day, and you got a chance to sit with Ken that day. That must have been a privilege for you. But to see yeah. the way that the kids just got stuck in there, that was it was something else, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was a lovely day and a nice memory. As I say, I was um I, there was a pride in me to to see the guys, to see the team come to Ireland and I wanted them to do well. Um so yeah, great test, really well organized, you know, as you would expect. Um everything was just so, but there was the family side of it, you know, the kids arrived, and this is where I where I say that it seems that doesn't seem like that long ago. I know COVID and everything has uh, perhaps elongated the timeline. That was what? That was 20... What year were you in? 19, 19. Yep. 19, okay, yeah. Yep. And, you know, Leah seemed so, so, so young then. And then all of a sudden she's jumped on to being in a car. But yes, as you say, the kids and the family were were very much involved with everything that day. And what I saw was that day, you know, in the car with Ken, the, the professional side of him that... At the start of the day, there was a clear goal, what work had to be done to the escort. You know, did some runs with them. There was an engineer, did some runs. And it was very much every run was timed. You know, there was the serious side of the work was out of the way. And then there was some guests to be brought for spins. And that was done. And then there was a little bit of a break. And then the the professionalism switched in again because it was time to move over to the R5. And that was something quite exciting that day because it was the first time that the R5 had been driven, the Mark II R5 had been driven, or Rally 2, I think it would have been called then, um, outside of M Sport. It hadn't been seen anywhere. So Ken was the first person to be entrusted with that, and M Sport had given him that car. So he effectively was giving it its, its debut outside of 
um the the airfield in in uh, in Cumbria. So that was a big deal. But he was again very much switched into that. Um, there was that that was taken seriously. You know, he it, it switched to you know Derek and he and the the guys there had a, had a plan for how many runs they wanted to do in the car and what where they wanted to get to. And of course, it wasn't the only test he was doing pre Donegal, so they had an idea of what they were doing that day. So it showed you could see the the thing from from all sides of it. You could see the the family side of it, the team side of it. The the there was the time to be professional and uh, very measured and focused in what you were doing, and then there was the time to have fun and bring some guests and so on. And then there was also the time he um he was asked there was so the test was very much in conjunction with Donegal Motor Club and it was there was you know everything was thought of it was uh in a very picturesque place up there in Malin. So there was the opportunity, as you know, Kevin, to get beautiful shots there. And the, the national television station RTE were there and they wanted to do an interview with Ken and um the the Garthi were there and there was a there was the local um the inspector of the guard of the traffic unit and he you know through with the motor club uh made a mention to ken about um you know maybe is there something he could do to represent road safety or that because he was an influencer in every sense of the word could he mention something about you know road safety and the the need for uh spectators and followers of the rally to be mindful of their behavior on the road of the weekend and that interview is on youtube there and he just with the few words that they gave him that they wanted him to hit this point he went on and, and and did it on the on the news report, and that was on the news in the evening. And it was just it was, as I say, everything was thought of, and all all the points were hit. It was just yeah, a really good day. But even in in that moment, he he um was able to to do that interview, talk about himself, talk about the rally, but get the point across that they the rally wanted him to do, you know, to the spectators because his words would carry more influence than anything. So. Yeah, but in, in retrospect, a nice memory at the time and in retrospect, an even nicer memory now. And, like, you know, the family man then kicked in. They, you know, they finished the rally and, and, you know, and most other boys would be going back looking at DVDs or whatever. They went off to the Giants Causeway as a family. You know, that just was, you know, he was able to switch from rally, rally driver to family man just so easily. Yeah, well, at the time when the guys were doing the rally, Particularly the Friday, uh, I think at Donegal is always very familiar to everybody up there. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering rightly. So I was actually in the US doing a rally with Seamus um, when that was on. And we were, of course, um, keen to look at the times and see what was going on. And then I knew your, the, the second stage time that the guys had, it, it was really a puncher. Like it, it it went in very well there and it was it was quite fast. Unfortunately, um, you know, they had a problem on stage three and came back right and they came back to complete the rally as rally two. And when you restart on a rally, you know, some of the wind is definitely taken out of your sails. At that point, you're you're going for a finish and you're definitely going to get all your miles. The, the not the competitive element hasn't disappeared, but it's definitely stifled. But um it it would have been nice to see them come back and try and put in another result on on Irish soil and uh Show just how strong they were, and um, as I say, represent for the uh, the American Championship and what um, the the level that the championship is at, and how um, they can take their their speed and their experience and bring it somewhere else and acquit themselves very well. As to my mind, they did for sure, for sure. And like I suppose, you know, we've held just long enough now. We can start to wrap things up now. Um, I suppose, like, what will be your standout memories of you know? 
in a few sentences your you know your standout memories of Ken Block, the rally driver, and Ken Block, the man. Sorry, uh, Kevin. The question, the Kevin, the question was for me. Is that correct? Yeah, I will start off with you there, okay. Alex. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, let me say a comment first about Ken, uh, the human being, the the, <laughs> the man, and 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 one thing that look, we were at the celebration on Wednesday, and you think you know someone well, and then you hear all those. Um, all those people telling stories about Ken and, and saying their you know, personal experience. And then you realize you only knew 50% of him, you know? So uh, it was great to understand Ken more. And it's sad that that happened after he passed away, you know, but Ken was a very private individual, you know, yes, we, we spent hundreds of, of, of thousands of hours in the car over many, many years, you know? So uh, one thing that, that, that I like to say about Ken is that, and that was sometimes not very clear, but it, one of his biggest passion was to to find the right people out in this world and and sort of like uh, discreetly take them under his wing and make something, somebody out of them. Could have been a, a, a videographer, uh, could have been a, a marketing media person, could have been a team manager, could have been a, a, a technician, could have been a co-driver, but... Uh, there was something that we just now realize it's something that he loved to do. Uh, and he was really good at that because there has been some people that have built careers, that have built businesses from just his association with him. And those businesses has gone on and have had employees. You know, that it, it was such a snowball effect, such a chain reaction that in the back of his mind, that we now realize he knew exactly about this whole process, but we, some of us sort of like missed it, identifying what he was doing with that. And as far as a rally driver, that, that's a tough one, guys, because uh, I've been contemplating, for example, what my, my future in the sport will be, and I can't find an answer at this point. You know, if you ask me today, I will stop, you know, but uh, at the same time, there is a couple of things that are on the table, I, I think, what would Ken want me to do? You know, would, would he want me to carry on and enjoy life and this beautiful sport? Because that's what he was all about. So I'll maybe sit down by myself in a couple months' time and, um, and, and collect my thoughts and decide what to do. But going back to your original questions, it, it was something special. It was something special in that car, you know, the absolute trust with each other. Um, he trusted me with his life and I did with you know the, the other way around and uh, and it's something that um, it'll be it'll be hard to to replicate but even to 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 tell to tell the tale to tell the story because it, it was something really special you know two good mates you know doing what they loved and you know we've been privileged thanks to his hard work of uh, the progressions we've heard have had over the last you know Several, several years of going from you know him smaller privateer to um, to you know signing contracts with big manufacturers that allowed us to compete at the world scene. So, uh, like I said a few minutes ago, it's been an absolute privilege, and uh, and it's something that uh, I will I will uh, say forever in my heart. And uh, I've just been grateful, just absolutely grateful. I wish I wish I had a few minutes to tell him that because I told him on some occasions so over the years you know one time I was in Finland like over 10 years ago 
and and one time more recently i said i just wanted you know just like in, in strange moments just before the start of the stage you know waiting to put our helmets on and a few k's away from the start of the stage i said i just want to say something to you man i just want to say that i i am grateful for everything you've done for me and for for our team and for everybody being that it's been associated I just wanted to say it now. I don't know why I needed to say it at that moment, but it was uh, something important for me to say to him. Uh, Neil, do you want to take that? What's your thoughts on, what's your memories of Ken the driver and Ken the man? Yeah, I'm going to say Ken the driver, um, and it's it'll go on for a while. I don't think that, and I'm going to, can I just focus it towards the US? Um, I don't think that Ken the driver as a rally driver got the credit he deserved in the US. Um, you know, we'll always remember Rec, and we, you know, we could remember many wrecks that Colin McRae had as well. Um, but Ken the rally driver in the United States, I seen Ken step up his game many, many times. I seen him step up his game against Shin uh, um Niall McShay, when he came here, he, he never let me forget it. He asked me, you know, about a stage we're going to be on the uh, South Arm stage, and I said, this is, you're going to have trouble there. He matched the times with him on the stage. Which, I mean, this is this is a guy that, you know, Marshall Clark's and none and these guys, these guys did, you know, big stuff. Um, but Ken the Driver, I can tell you that I've been places where I cringe, um, not because I think he's going to wreck it. Just, and I'll, I'll I'll put it down to one place, and it was recently, and 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 um, Chris was standing beside me. I I talked to Ken before the start of Hundred Acre Woods uh, last year, and um, I said, "Are you going to ease into this?" I always said to him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, go well, <laughs> so check it out." See so the first time he came down the stage was reasonably. We were in a different perspective. We were down with the car, and it was reasonably, you know, it was reasonably tame. The second pass he came down, I've never seen anything like it in my life before. And I, I never, you know, I, I, I've been to a couple of WRC events and maybe I was standing in the wrong spot, but I, I, I'm from Letterkenny. I've seen stuff in Donegal. I mean, I, it, this was just something else for the speed of this car. I, I've seen the speed different places before. And, and you know, 100 Acre Woods is Ken's rally. But I'll, I'll kind of, you know, I'll go back to what he says earlier is, um, and I, and I, I'll treasure this. Last year at Olympus Rally, um, I was sitting, I got into the hotel, you know, after looking around and doing whatever. And um, I was going to, I asked somebody where get somebody to eat around here. And they said, oh, the hotel's actually all right. So I sit down in the lobby in the middle of the, over in the corner, kind of tucked in the corner. And um, I was at a bit of dinner going, whatever it was. And next thing, Ken comes slinking through the, you know, the and, I, and he's kind of all twisted down the shape. And he's like, oh, you're Ken. It's always the same introduction when he sees you. And I can, he comes over and he sits down and he starts eating my dinner. <laughs> but um he was he stood there for I don't know it was like 45 minutes or whatever. It was it was one of the best conversations because we just talked about everything and um I'll always remember it because it was, you know, th this this is as I said earlier, the, there's a can that we see and we're gonna see forever. We're gonna see that it's there, it's 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 in the archives and it's great to have it, but to know Ken the person and just to have the privilege, as, as Alex said, and the honor to be even part of the team, but the privilege to know him. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'll, I'll be a bit sad about it and say that 
Um, I did get to know Lucy and, 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 you know, not, maybe not as well as Alex, obviously, but, and the kids um, throughout the years. And um, I can't even explain my heart feels for that, but I, I will always remember Ken, the person as just this genuine down to earth person who loved rally as much as we did. I mean, in every form and fashion of it, he loved it. So um, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, Martin, same question to yourself. Uh, the first thing I would say is that, you know, he's a great loss um, personally and um, sportingly. And we have to remember him fondly and remember him with reverence for all he has done for the sport. And I, I think that we will. Uh, the other point to that is I think a lot of it probably, you know, I'm I'm circling around essentially what Neil was saying as well, that he didn't get the respect as a driver that I know he deserved. Um, but that's just to people behind the keyboard. Those of us who did it and were on the same timesheets knew and and have respect for him. And his his peers don't need any convincing in that respect. So that's that's a good thing. We we know. And um just I never my my thought, my abiding thought of Ken when you knew he was here no longer was that. I've never been in a conversation with him or walked away from a conversation or observed a conversation that he was having with anyone and walked away thinking anything other than he was a nice man, a good man and a gentleman. He, you know, I never could, could never say a bad word in that respect. He he treated everyone with respect and had good conversations with him, whether it was, you know, a, a small private conversation about things like, you know, dogs and kids going to school and so on or a, a sporting conversation. So, and I don't think you can say that about everybody that you meet in the sport. And I say that with, you know, I say that very genuinely. And another nice memory I have of him that I didn't touch on earlier on, I'd said that, you know, my first introduction to DC Shoes, and well, I had I knew roughly what DC Shoes were as a brand. And, you know, as a younger guy, uh, I remember seeing them, being more drawn to them because all of a sudden there was this rally connection. And thinking just how cool the the New Zealand Snow Lab video was. And, you know, little did we know, it just went on and on from there. That was just before, I believe, the Jim Canna days, the, the first Jim Canna. That would have been the N12-shaped Subaru. And then Jim Canna would have started with the N14-shaped Subaru. So thinking how cool that was. And I'd started competing in the US, you know, 05, 06, then 07. It became more regular for me. And then in 07, I knew that there was these DC Prospect boots. And I really, really wanted a pair. And I mentioned it to somebody, you know, in the team, um, where could I get a pair? What could I do? And they said, leave it with me. I'll mention it to Ken. And when I came to the next rally, somebody knocked on the door of my hotel room uh, from the team and said, here, I heard you were looking for these. Here's a set of these. And apart from them being comfortable and brilliant and functional and the best rally boots you could ask for, um, it was just a, a special thing for me to get them and um, I wore them till I wore them out. I still have them there. They'll be a pride of place. And then after that, again, just to have them, it was actually it was it was after the conversation that I, I come back to for a third time where um, James pointed out to the RA guys, you know, do, do, do you realize just how big a draw these guys are? And I thought I had a pair, two pairs of DCs at home, uh, a Travis pair and a Ken pair, you know, a 43 pair. And I thought you know something, I think maybe I'll get the boys to autograph them because it'd be nice to have them. I know I have them and they're nice. And I took them um, 
was Ohio, the first rally we came back after COVID, took them and uh, dropped them into Ken. And uh, yeah, I have them signed there now. He signed them for me properly. Even again, the professionalism, professionalism of him, they were signed with a paint pen, so it's entirely permanent. And they're there now, and it's it's nice to have in the collection. But um, he was just a kind, decent man, and um, we we need to remember him fondly and with the respect that he deserved. Sure. And Chris Finley, yourself? Uh, well, I guess uh, since I am the younger one here, sorry, but um, <laughs> I I didn't grow up with the likes of Colin McRae. You know, I I knew of Colin, obviously. You know, being around the scene and stuff like that, but. Ken, just a quick sentence about that. Ken would have been my generation's Colin, you know, in a sense, because he was, you know, he was extravagant with everything he did. You know, there was never, he was never going at 90%. And I'm sure Alex knows that himself, you know, within, between the crashes or the wins, it's, it was always, he was trying to give it his all on every stage. And, you know, as this is for the rally driver side of things, but it, you know, watching him the last couple of years and switching between the Subaru, the Skoda, the Hyundai now recent, you know, it, the pace that he made everyone go at, you know, and it, everyone's levels have stepped up here in the American scene do, you know, whether it's Travis Ken or Barry bringing the WRC car here or whatnot, it, it's just, you know, everyone's game has stepped up and seeing Ken as Neil pointed out at hundred acre there, Coming around, I, I think Neil was referencing stage five, the second running. Written, the, it was pouring rain at that point, and Ken comes sliding around this corner. I I don't know if I've ever seen someone take a ninety as quick as he just came around, sliding around, covering everyone in spray and gravel. You know, at that point, and never mind that the other memory this year would have been the uh, how small it was, but the uh, jump at the uh, high school in Ohio was just. I've never, the, the, it was unreal to capture and, and see in person and the roars of the crowd afterwards, you know, it, he, he brought the crowd with him to events and, and you can tell the difference from an event where Ken or Travis weren't at. And when they were there, it brought in the crowds recently here in the American scene, you know, and it's just been, it was great to be around for that whole evolution of that period. But on a human level for Ken, um, him and my dad would always joke around at rallies and stuff like that. My father would be one to talk to a wall. Not that I'm that far, you know, away from him in that sense. But uh, he he definitely got a good chuckle out of Ken when a bunch of the Irish boys were doing the New York rally in 08 there. And they they were getting uh, Ken's signature on the top of Charlie Donnelly's hood at the time. And then I just remember my father wanted to take a photo with Ken because my father would have had a Mitsubishi big, those big red Mitsubishi jackets from years ago there. And he wanted to just, just, you know, push Ken's buttons about having the Subaru, you know, that, you know, battle and stuff like that. So, you know, um, but he would always stop anytime I would see him, he'd stop to talk and have a conversation. I wouldn't have known him as well as Neil would have. And obviously as well as Alex would have on the human level. Cause you know, I, I, I was a bit trying to get to events when you're in college and stuff like that. It's a little bit, different but um but no anytime i saw ken and had a conversation with ken it was always genuine and you know as the guy said you're it's not like a character or anything like that it's just the you know the video camera's on you have to present yourself a little bit of a different way but on the personal side of things when the camera's off he was a you know not a different person but just a very genuine person and that's what i'll take away from everything you know over the years and 
appreciate everything you did for everything out here at the rally scene out here and just before we we wrap up um kevin and myself spoke with colin mcmaster and alex he had a story for us about the safari rally where he provided pace notes for a particular stretch of of the the road and just wondering what your version of that is alex <laughs> well uh, look uh, let me just say that um here I am. Sorry. Sorry. Let me just say that um, Ken and and Colin McMaster had uh, this, you know, direct, you know, communication. The um, Derek Donsi and myself weren't aware of it at first, you know, and then uh, it became known to, you know, provide me with the spots that needed to be on the pace notes, or in the case of the Safari on the rap book. Uh, uh, where Colin thought that it was safe, you know, it was safe to go 100% right there. And uh, uh, in that particular case of the safari, uh, it was it was a big moment because it was a jump. And, and Colin said to me, uh, and I don't know if it was, I can't remember if it was prior or after, he said to me that the bus, the bus, uh, the school bus went by and the jump is flat. You know, he took a flat and the jump is flat. And I said, okay, I trust Colin. You know, I trusted 100% and I still do. Uh, but then I said to Ken, we are approaching, I don't tell him before the start of the stage, I get it on the rap book, we're approaching the jump and I'm telling him, uh, you know, jump coming in 300, 400, 300, 200, can the jump is flat. And uh, typical Ken's fashion is going to trust what I, what I said. So he takes a jump flat and the, the landing is oh, like uh, one or two kph faster. It would have been an end over end. And, but anyway, the, the picture is fantastic. But at the end of the stage, at the end of the stage, it tells me, Alex, why did you say that without, you know, it's, it's a blind event. And he said, well, the information came from Colin, you know, <laughs> so I put the, 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 the story on Colin and and he said to me okay well that's all I needed to know and then I messaged Colin I said Colin the jump wasn't flat we took a big chance but then the the following you know the, the, that evening we went back to the hotel so so the pictures it was it was totally worth it it was one of those occasions so many times so many times we got away with so we had many crashes many wins but so many other times we got away with so many things and uh, you know my wife jokes with me and says oh, man, you've gone gray really quick in the last 10 years <laughs> I know, like, yeah blame it on ken and, and events like the one that i just we just told yeah uh it was great that we could get alex's side of the safari story after colin um told us his his version of it earlier in the in, in the podcast um genuinely um on, on behalf of kevin and myself i want to thank everybody that took part in this podcast they give up a lot of time and we had you know obviously time difference as well between ireland and the us so um, we really appreciate everybody's input and to be honest it, it's made me all the more fonder of ken for having heard those stories that is for sure for sure you know we've heard some great stories we spoke to some fun, fantastic people and I just hope that, you know, in some small way, it, you know, helps people just remember the good man that Ken was. Uh, so that was Crunching Gears, the rally podcast. And until the next time, take care, speak soon, and bye. <laughs>